0: I sure hope you're doing well. The sun is shining. Woo! I thought it was gone, so it's back. And that's exciting, and I hear it's going to shine all week. So just a quick announcement. Uh, so tonight we're doing the raise the roof thing, and you are more than welcome to come to a construction site, and we're going to celebrate uh, if you were part of this building. You remember we wrote scriptures and uh, prayers on the walls. Uh, behind all the drywall you see, there are prayers and things written all over the place. And we're going to do that over there for our children. And, um, but I, I do want to say this. It's a construction site. And so, if you are planning on bringing your children, and I'm sure your children are well-behaved, but if you know someone whose children aren't, you know, you may want to bring, like, steel-toed boots. No, maybe not flip-flops or something like that, because there is some sharp things. I mean, it's a construction site, and I just kind of want to give you that heads up as you prepare to come tonight and we celebrate uh, what's going on next door. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for these beautiful people, and what a high honor it is to share with them um, what you've placed on my heart today. And Lord, I just pray that You would hide me in Your cross. Um, we we pray the same thing we pray every week here, um, as moms and dads, sons and daughters. We we want to we want to leave here and be more like You, uh, in a big way or a small way. And so, Father, open our hearts. And I just encourage you that are listening to the sound of my voice to just ask God to speak to you and expect Him to speak to you. Um, listen over the next few minutes and ask God, what is it? Why am I here today? what is it that you want me to take away? And Lord, we ask you to do that, and that you would make us more like you as a result in your name. Amen. So uh, let me kind of tell you where we are. Uh, this is the value series, and um, the values are, are what drives our church. Uh, every Every organization, every home has a set of values, and so I've kind of publicly been saying, here's the values that drive our church, in the sense that it won't just be the values that drive our church, but the belief is, this will actually be the values that drive our lives, that individually we'll take these values on, and, and they'll become things that characterize who we are. And so uh, these, are the, these are the things that when we're all sitting around some decision-making table, these are the things we look to as far as whether or not we should or should not do something. And so the first value we talked about was biblical authority. Uh, I, I would use this to say this is God's voice. We believe the Bible is God's voice, and, and, and that means this. If the Bible says something that I don't like, I'm wrong. And so we're going to go with Scripture. And so when I share up here on this platform or in other different places, uh, you, your your kids and students, we're going to teach Scripture because we, we believe that's, that's what God's Word is to us. And so we teach that. It's a high value here. The second one that I would say as a value is we call it relational intimacy. And it basically means this. Everybody, every individual has an opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody has that available to them. And when that happens... Jesus restores us, like from all the mistakes and, that we have made and all the guilt and shame produces in our lives, well, Jesus can actually restore us, redeem us to what he, to why we we're created, what we we're created to do and to be, and so, and so that's kind of the first two. All of the other values that alive has lean against these two. So these two are kind of like the foundation, if you will, and uh, once these are adopted, you know, once we believe that you can have Bible authority and the scripture tells you the best way to do life and that everyone can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, then everything else leans against it. And here's what I mean. Only Jesus saves people. A pastor can't save people and a church can't save people. That's not what we do. Only Jesus saves people. And so what a church does is we teach and proclaim the things Jesus said and the way that Jesus lived. And the idea is that we will somehow, people will connect to Jesus through that. And so uh, it is, as, all we do as a church, it's our hope, our conviction that others are going to be drawn to this relational hope we have found in these first two values. And the rest of the values focus on how we live these two things out. So the next value we talked about was authentic community, and it was basically this, no plastic people. I'm tired of plastic lives. I'm tired of people pretending they're something they're not. And, uh, and many of us are said, you know, we think the call to Christianity is to live authentic lives. And so we call this that me too principle where, um, you know, you're jacked up, I'm jacked up, but we both found Jesus and it's changed everything. And so that's kind of what that is. And then the last one is gifted service. And this is kind of amazing. Every, everybody, every individual has been given at least one gift by God. How weird is that? You have been given a gift. You have. Yes, you have. By God that you can use and he desires to use to build up the kingdom. That's part of what, where do you get that? From scripture. That's what the Bible teaches. Everybody has that. Today, uh, I want so that's kind of where we are. Today, I want to share with you a value that when you first say it, you're going to say, really, that's a value? I mean, that doesn't, I mean, that's important maybe, but maybe it shouldn't be a value and there may be some pushback uh, and, and, and I get it. On first read, it actually may be tough to understand why this value is one of the big rocks of our church, and hopefully after today you'll you'll get it and you'll value it as well. So here's the value. The value, we call it excellent environments, and it basically is this. Uh, We believe that our role is to remove obstacles and create opportunities for people to bump into Jesus so that he can teach and do, what only he can teach and do. That's kind of like a summation of the whole thing for me. So as a church and as individuals, our role in this journey of life is to remove any obstacle and and create opportunities for people to bump into Jesus so that he can teach and do what only he can teach and do. If I could say it another way, I'd put it in the form of a question, I'd say it this way. If we believe Jesus is the hope of the world, I mean, if that's a rock-solid conviction that you have on a personal level, and if it's a rock-solid conviction that we have as a church, if we believe that, then shouldn't we do our best to create an environment that says what we do really matters shouldn't what happens on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or in our small groups or in our children's ministry shouldn't all of that communicate we're we're sharing the most important message the world needs to hear and so excellent environments has to do with this I'll, I'll give you some examples if, if you go into a restaurant and uh, say, say you go to the restroom and uh and there are paper towels in the trash cans but they're overflowing onto the floor and the smell in there is less than pleasant, sorry, it's just kind of what has to happen, or let's say you sit at the table, and your arms actually stick to the table, right, you know, you're going to have that moment, have you ever eaten there, <laughs> I have, and you're gonna, your arms stick to the table, or maybe there's something floating in your water that doesn't belong in there, it's not like a lemon slice or something, or, or maybe you've had to wait 20 minutes, and you don't have a menu yet, you know, maybe that's kind of the kind of thing, it doesn't matter how great the food is, it doesn't matter you're not likely to return. Why? Because the environment was nasty. The environment was bad. So we've been using Psalm 23 to kind of as a roadmap through all of this, and I'm going to use it again today to kind of take us into this, into this value number, number five. And uh, as we finish the series, we're going to use this exact same verse. I'm going to use it this week, and then I'm going to use it next week. So Psalm 23, verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And today, I'm going to focus on those two words right there. This is the second time in the last two weeks that the word goodness has appeared in our scripture. Last week, I shared with you um, in Psalm 34, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. Come and see. We're setting a table for people to come and see that God is good. Now, good is this incredible. Is this beautiful Hebrew word, and it doesn't actually mean the same thing, like, like you, you pick your kid up from school. How was school? Good. You know, that's not what this word means, okay? This word, this word actually has a whole lot. In it. it means well-pleasing and fruitful. Well-pleasing and fruitful. So part of the original words, the idea of good, is it included being productive or being useful. The opposite of the word would be evil. So, so let me say it this way. God's goodness causes him, productive, to actively seek the well-being of his creation. Surely, God will actively seek the well-being of his creation, and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So, just so we're clear, what we're, we're kind of gnawing on here, when the scripture talks about God being good, what it's saying is, God is seeking actively, your well-being. That's what it means for God to be, to be good. So now we have these two deals that are on the table, if you will. The first deal is that goodness will follow you. The opposite deal would be evil will follow you. Those are the two options. Those are the two deals. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. He tends and cares for me. And as I walk with the shepherd, I'm doing life, and I turn around and look, and there's goodness and mercy, and they're following me. As I evaluate life today and life before the shepherd, this life today is good. And I am better than I was before. I'm having the abundant life. The good works. The evil promises to work, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. Evil sells this bill of goods that many, all of us have purchased, and it's basically this. My way is the best way. This won't hurt anybody else. Bitter is better than forgiving. Judging is better than accepting. Whatever your poison, one deal is good, and the other promises to be good, but it isn't. I thought we were talking about excellent environment, Tom's. So, so, so what does it have to do with that? So, let me ask you this. Why would anybody go to church? I'm asking you because you all chose to do that. So why would anybody go to church? This keeps me awake at night, people. I mean, I'd appreciate a little empathy. Why would anybody go to church? I mean, let's think about this just for a moment. Let me see if I can talk you out of going to church. What a great pastor. So here's the thing. We're we're all busy. Y'all are all busy people, and I can tell. And We're all sleep-deprived. Some of you are catching up on that right now, and that's fine. This may be the most spiritual thing you can do for the next you know, few minutes, so just go ahead. We certainly all have different places to put our money and our time and our talents and our energies. Our families are busy with this extracurricular stuff. That we, Why would anybody say, hey, let's get up early on a Sunday morning and go to church? You see, if you agree with me, I think people all around us are looking for something good. I think they're looking for that. I know I am. I'm looking for a God who's actively seeking the well-being of his creation. I want that God. If it's real, and if he exists, I want him engaged in my life. Fair? Not just my life, my kids and my marriage. My job, what I do for a living, the things that scare me to death. Society, my goodness, I could use some good God in news reports these days. Somebody actively seeking the well-being of his creation. Wouldn't that be great? And even yourself, come on, isn't there part of you that you got to this point, you're like, I don't know if there's anything good in here. And this is why what Alive does matters. Alive invites people to come and see. That God is good. And he's actively seeking the well-being of his creation. That's what we do. When I meet new people to alive, I always ask the same question. The responses are different, but really the responses are all the same. So see if you can see the the theme that ties them all together. I'll hear things like, well, I grew up in the church and then lost interest and I made a bunch of mistakes. Or uh, my husband and I were raised in Christian families and now the kids are here. We sense we need to get back into church. Or uh, the church was good for a while, but I realized I felt more judged going to church and more shame after going. So I just decided not to go. Have you ever been to that church before? Don't raise your hand. I have. Okay, how about this? I went through a divorce. Sometimes they'll say that. So now I'm back. Or, or my kids won't talk to me. Or I never, I never got into church. But man, life has been tough for me lately. Or I was just recently diagnosed. All these ideas of people coming to church, you know what they all have in common? People are looking for something good. All of them. They're looking for something good. They're looking for a goodness that is sure to follow them, like the psalmist says. I am. Aren't you? Wouldn't you say you'd want that in your life, in the life of the people you love? See, many of us chose the other option. Many of us chose an evil that promised good. And some folks are at this point of devastation because they realize what they chose promised to work, but it hasn't. And now they're kind of devastated. The forbidden fruit didn't satisfy. And so they stumble into a church, maybe too alive, on a given Sunday. And they are hurting and disenchanted and lost and confused and afraid. And here's what I know about you if I'm describing you right now. If it isn't good you aren't coming back. And I don't blame you. I mean, if this is terrible, you're not going to come back. But, if it is good, you may find yourself needing to come back. People won't waste time, I won't waste time on something that doesn't work, that doesn't show God is good. So here's what that means in our world. If worship is done poorly, if the restrooms are a wreck, if the words don't match what the singers are saying, (laughs) if there's no room for your kid in the class, if the coffee is cold, if exiting the parking lot is like a chance you're going to see Jesus kind of moment, you know, it's a nightmare. If the trash cans are overflowing, if the yard is overgrown, if there's litter up and down the drive and through the parking lots, guess what? We have failed. We dropped the ball, because you came looking for good, and we gave you something else. If the environments are not done well, people will shut down before they ever hear anything about Jesus being good. You're saying, Tom, a cold cup of coffee could do that?" Absolutely. Absolutely. You tell me like there's, there's like junk in the garden in, in the driveway. people, yes. The fountain's green? Yes. People do it, and I don't blame them. They shut down. The idea is, well, if they don't care about what their building looks like or what the environment is, then they obviously don't care too much about what they're saying. But if the church is prepared for you to come, and if you look around and there's some details that have happened, and you can tell, there's flowers in the planters. There's music playing outside. The fountain's clear except for the rocks that your kids threw in on the way in. What's wrong with you people? Have them throw money. Okay, I mean, come on, we're a church. <laughs> if they walk in, they smell coffee and it smells good. And they go over and get a great cup of coffee and a smile. And then some of you will say, you know what? Maybe I'll stick around. Because apparently they believe in what they're saying. And you can see it in their environments. You're going to see one tonight. If you come back for Raise the Roof, you can go over there in the next door, and um, you know there's a slide being put in that building, and a tunnel, just like the church we grew up in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if the church I think I grew up in, we would be certain to be going to hell if we put a slide in the building. I have a feeling, <laughs> got a feeling, and some of you may be thinking that too, but oh well. Um, <laughs> Why in the world would we do that? You know, they're not donating a slide to us. That thing's causing money. They're not donating a tunnel. It's costing us money. Why? Because we're creating an environment a kid wants to be in. Because maybe the kid will come and they'll say, oh, I'd like to be here. And just maybe, just maybe, they'll find out there's a good God who's actively seeking the well-being of his creation. Does that make sense? All right, let's stop picking on everything else. Let's pick on me. If the message just reminds me that I'm a hot mess. If the message just reminds me and teaches me in such a way that I have no idea what's being said or no idea how to apply it to my life or I feel worse leaving than when I came in, then we failed on this value because this platform's an environment. It is. One of the things I love to hear is when people will say, hey, Tom, I, haven't, I have heard those verses my whole life, but I never really understood them until today. I love that. This platform environment is important to what we are trying to do. And you would be, you would ask, you would put all of us on medication if you realized how intense we are evaluating what happens up here on this platform from the beginning to the end. Very intentional. Everything's very intentional. And platform environment matters. Alive is simply trying to teach what Jesus taught in the way he taught it. Now, I, obviously, I'm not doing that every week, but I'm trying. And I'm learning. So what does that mean? Jesus, he was this master teacher, and he could build bridges. He could build bridges in ways that I'm amazed at. I'll give you some example. He spoke to shepherds, ready, about sheep. (laughs) How about how about this one? He spoke to farmers about seeds. Do you remember? He, he invited fishermen, get this, because this sounds creepy in our day and age. What he said was, "Come, follow me and fish for men. I don't think you can do that legally anymore, but in a way, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said to fishermen, "Hey, come, let's fish for people together." He would talk to families one day. he was talking to a whole mess of families, and he said, "Hey, let me tell you about a son who ran away, wanted his inheritance, and he got wild and woolly with the inheritance. And the family's like, oh, man, I had a kid that ran away, right? Building a bridge. But then he didn't finish. At the end of the story, he said, hey, let me tell you about another." the father of that son who also ran. The father ran when he saw his son get off the Greyhound bus to come home, and the father ran to him. Do you remember that? He spoke to families about family. and When people finished hearing Jesus teach, they got it. They saw themselves in Jesus' story. He put God in a way that people could relate to, and consequently they understood that God is good. And if they too embraced God, then surely goodness and mercy would follow them. I just, just letting you on the inside of my soul here. I try to do that every week. Sometimes I do great, other times not so great. But I at least want you to hear what I'm trying to do and why. Because there's a value driving in it, it matters it matters. If you leave here and all you can think about is how boring the message is, I drop the ball and I'll do better. If you leave here and your kids don't want to talk about the message, I messed up, right? Because what we do matters. So I've been doing church a long time and, um, and I pretty much can summarize the two groups in church world that both would say the same thing. So there are these two groups in church world, and they both have T-shirts, and their T-shirts say the same thing, and it's basically this. This is my church. We got the Alive sticker on the car. You know, I got some uh, Alive swag. That's what the young kids call clothes now. And so you got some of that, and, um, and you know, it's all kind of, everybody says that, so everybody says that, but there are two groups that actually are saying the same thing. Some of you in the room, when you say that, you're approaching this as a consumer. This is my church. This is my church. Now, that group supports what's going on in the church as long as all their tastes are cared for, okay? And so uh, as long as their opinions are heard. And they're not bad people. They're just people who love what they love. And their tastes are essential to the support of the church. So every week, what happens at that dining room table is the church is on trial. After the services, and you all get in your cars, and you go back, you begin analyzing and evaluating everything that happened from the moment you drove on the campus to the moment you drove off. Oh, man, that music was too loud. And Thomas, Tom's message was too short. You know, I mean, just common things that people say a lot, you know, you know that kind of thing. Or, you know, his jeans weren't ironed. I've heard of all of these. I mean, all, all this kinds of things. So anyway, so I mean, all of that. And we kind of have this idea. We have to, we, we put the, the music and the message and the greeters and the environments all on trial. And basically the church has to prove itself every week. That, that happens for some of us. It's like we're rating a dance song. Y'all remember that from the 70s and 80s? Come on, somebody tell me you remember that, right? Oh, I liked it, but you could dan- couldn't dance to it, or I liked it because you could dance to it, or you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Some of you can Google that later and see what that means. Well, this group really struggles when something is done in our environments that they personally don't like. So in some environment, something's done in this room, and like maybe a song is, is, is done that um, people don't like. Uh, We did a Michael Jackson song a number of years ago. I don't know. It might have been last year. I really have no idea. But I remember we did it, and they were awesome. I couldn't believe this, guys. I mean, it was an amazing thing. So we had some, we actually had a lady, maybe you're here, and if you are, I love you, I'd like to meet you. Uh, She stood up and danced to the Michael Jackson song. I I forget what song we did. Uh, Others of us uh, sent emails because you're used to listening to your car and you really like it, but you didn't like it at church, (laughs) you know. Well, and I get that. I understand that's a push. But I want you to understand why those things are done. It's about building an environment. I'll keep going. The second group of people says the exact same thing, but they're not approaching this as like a consumer. What they're approaching this as is one who's enlisted here. This church matters because they've bought in. This church matters because of all the values and the people own this church because they own the vision and they own the values and this is where they serve God and this is where they serve people by pointing to the goodness of God. And this group is prepared to leverage everything, time, talent, treasure, so people they invite can discover the goodness that follows them. This group of people are actively embracing creating excellent environments. Two different approaches, the exact same statement. This is my church. Oh, really? What do you mean by that? One's enlisted and one's buying. But according to David, there's actually more than just goodness that follows him. David said, surely goodness and mercy. People come to a place like this and the the first group of people, the consumers, create this environment that expects people to be like they are come to church with me, and here's what I want you to do now. I want you to dress like me, talk like me, vote like me, smell like me, uh, do what I do, and don't do what I don't do, and then we're going to raise our kids the same way, and then we can be friends. Whoopie ding dong You know, that's going to be wonderful. I can't wait for that. That's the first group. They're consumers. And if a consumer bumps into a person that's seeking God's goodness, but they don't look like them, And sometimes the person that's seeking God's goodness feels less than and feels condemned and feels judged by the consumer. In other words, people come looking for good, and as a result, they feel judged, all because of the environment. I had a friend who had this experience. He's a Vietnam vet. Any Vietnam vets in the room, just out of curiosity? Would you raise your hand if you you could some of those? A couple? Okay, I see you. Yeah, I see you, Steve. Yep, Good. Vietnam bet. He, 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 he and I became friends. He, we lived in the same community. His family went to the church I was pastoring, but he didn't come to the church. And so um, he, he struggled. And what he struggled with was living with some of what he had to endure and see on the battlefield. And I get that. That's fair. And so he never came to church, uh, and he was pretty quiet. He didn't say much but he would be around, and so he never came to church, but we liked each other for some reason. I like people that don't talk a lot, <laughs> and I happen to like this guy. I don't know if it's, he didn't. He had some rough edges, and I'm kind of attracted to those rough edges, too. I, I, I like that, so, so he, he never came to church, but we really liked each other, so if I ever needed help around the church, he was there, and I would call him. Hey, would you come help me at the church? You know, I got this thing that needs to happen, and he'd come help. Finally, after like a year that we'd kind of been relating, our trust grew to such a point that I said, hey, you know, why, why don't you ever go to church? Why don't you ever come to church? Your family's here. And this is what he said. He said he grew up in that community his entire life, and when he came from back from Vietnam, he didn't get the response and reaction he thought he would. We get that, right? He said, then I found myself trying to cope with what had happened. And he said uh, he smoked and he drank. He, people always tell me when they drink, I drink a little bit, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that means, like it's like this much or this much, what's a little bit, I don't get that, but anyway, and, and he had a reputation, Vietnam, smoke, drink, and this little church where we were, they didn't tolerate any of those things. I'll never forget the day he took me out to lunch. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, we went out to lunch, and God was present. It was like God had an agenda, and I knew it. Do you follow? I sensed it. It wasn't like um. I was pushing anything, but in this moment, God was so clear, so clear. And so I felt prompted to the Holy Spirit, and I said, hey, Howard, would you trust me enough to share with me some of your experience in Vietnam? And he was quiet, and he thought long and hard about it. Then he started fighting back tears, and then for the next hour, he shared with me things that he hadn't told his own wife, his own spouse. And they were tough to hear. I, I still remember them, and I hope none of us ever have to hear those things. When he finished, I was, I was crying. Uh, not, not like slobbering, but definitely couldn't talk very well, you know what I'm saying? And so I said, Howard, If I had been through what you've been through, I don't think I would believe I fit in church either. But you fit in ours. You fit in ours. And I shared with him that day about the mercy of God and how the church is to be this environment of mercy. Mercy. Now, if you're not familiar with the term mercy, this is kind of how I would describe mercy. Mercy is not getting what I know I deserve. What do you think that did to a Vietnam vet struggling with what happened over there? What do you think it says to people like me who have a past back there that they're not so proud of? People like you that have the exact same thing. Mercy is not getting what I know I deserve. Mercy resonated with my friend. If mercy existed somewhere, he said, I want to be there. I'll never forget the first time he walked into our church. <laughs> I didn't know he was coming. He didn't tell me why. The boy doesn't talk. He didn't say anything. <laughs> I saw him walk in the back. He's a tall guy. I made my way back to that little sanctuary, and we looked each other in the eyes, and I glanced up at the roof because he always said if he ever showed up at church, the roof would cave in, you know. <laughs> Some of you are the same thing. You're checking it out. I get it. And we, we embraced, because neither one of us could talk. And so I just hugged him. He hugged me. And I walked away with this thought. Mercy found another one. Mercy found another one. Some church, some group of men and women, who said, if anything, we've got to set this space so that people far from God can find a way to be close to God. God's mercy is that quality in him that inclines him to relieve misery. I guess there will always be something at a live for consumers to complain about. And and sometimes, to be honest with you, you're right. But before we criticize or complain about the music or the volume or the song selection or the video or the lighting or the clothing or the tats or the tradition or the choir, the lack of choir, you have to understand this value. Because this value will help you interpret what's happening around here. We're willing to leverage absolutely anything, short of sin, to point people to Jesus. We are. And we are laser-focused on creating environments for people to find the goodness and mercy of God. That's what we do here. And if you don't get this value, the budget... Will not make sense to you. I, I got a report this week that talked about the audio visual lighting. Have you ever tried to buy that stuff before? Oh my gracious! It is somebody's going to jail. I mean, what they're charging for that? I mean, it's unbelievable. But the kids area, the audio visual lighting, I think it's like a, it's almost a quarter million dollars for the kids area. That's stupid, Tom. Yep. Unless you get this value. Unless you get this value. And when your kid walks out and says, oh man, you should have seen what happened at church today. And you're driving down that driveway and as opposed to everybody fighting what you did when you came in, you're driving out. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh man, mom, let me tell you what happened. Dad, let me tell you what happened. And the reason that I think we're willing to do this is because I think this is exactly what Jesus did. He leveraged his environment, and all that he had to connect his people. And he built, preach, built bridges to introduce people to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to do that today for you as I end this service. In fact, we did it in all of our venues today. I asked for this. So a um, couple of, I don't know when it was, maybe a couple of months ago, I let slip somewhere by mistake that um, I found myself listening to country music. Now, before you judge me... Um, I'm not talking about like the country music, the newfangled stuff. I'm not talking like Justin Bieber in a cowboy hat. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) In fact, all the country music guys I listen to, they're dead. Okay, because I'm a Christian. You know, that's those are the people that I listen to. So, like, if it's Twangy and it has to do with a bale of hay and like um, your wife leaving and finding hope in a bottle. I love those songs, okay? I don't know why. I just do. I just do. I guess it's like I listen to it, like, ah, my life's not so bad, you know? <laughs> I got, my dog's still kicking. I mean, it's just, I don't know what, I don't know. I really don't know. But when I let that slip, now I've told everybody it's going to be great, but anyway, when I let that slip, um, people started coming and they, like, slipped me discs or 8-tracks, depending on how old you are, of, 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 <laughs> of, of artists they like, you know, like, uh, you, know, you know, the one dude, Haggard, Whoever Haggard is, I want to be with him. I mean, I love that name. I'm going to name our next kid that. I haven't told Lisa we're having one, but anyway, we're going to have Haggard. What's the kid's name? Haggard. So, anyway, someone sent me this uh, CD of a band called Rascal Flats. Ever heard of them? Come on. Okay. Wow. Really? You're going to clap for that? Out of all we've said about the goodness of God, Rascal Flats. Woohoo! I love it! I love it! You know, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I- I'm glad. So, again, that's another great name for a kid. If you're kind of pregnant and you're getting ready to pop one out, Consider Rascal Flats because that is a good name. That's a great name. Let me find out what we're talking about. Okay, okay so, Oh, yeah, so, 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 um, they, 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 so I put this this thing on the iPhone or the, and I was mowing grass and I was listening to this Rascal Flats album. That boy can sing high. He got some tidy whities. I mean, I'm telling you something. No, 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 no. We'll edit that out. Okay, but anyway, this song doesn't mention Jesus or God. And you consumers are going to want to send me an email. When you do, rip out the book of Esther in your scripture, because it doesn't mention God either. So why are we doing this song, Tom? I mean, we're in church. We need to sing songs that are boring. (laughs) And if they make us happy, that's sin. Well, I'll tell you why we're doing this song. Because when I heard it, God spoke to me. In fact, if you research the song before you send me anything, you'll see that God was actually speaking to the writer of that song, too. So we're going to do that song here. Why? Because of the environment. I don't get it, Tom. Let me put it together for you. See, we Christians can be super critical. We're passionate about our beliefs and have strong ideas and sometimes Christians become experts because life is all together right now. Do you hear what I just said? Sometimes we Christians become experts because my life really looks good right now. But can I tell you if you were to circle up and follow me when I was 18, you never thought you'd be sitting in a church where I'm pastoring. And you know what? I know you well enough to know it's true about you too. And sometimes we forget there was a time that our lives were messed up too. And this is because the days of rebellion for some of us are long behind and failures are in the rearview mirror. Today things are different. But then, I've seen this happen over and over and over again, but then something happens in the family or in the individual. And the kid begins to act out, and the parents are at a loss, they're devastated. Or maybe the parents decide they're going to head different directions, and the family's devastated. Parents are afraid. Kids are afraid. Or, or maybe the marriage hits this rough patch and then one's living here and one's living here and it's devastation. Theologian Mike Tyson said, everybody's an expert until they get hit in the mouth, right? <laughs> Man, that's so true. Life is good. God is good. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then the diagnosis comes in and I'm afraid. Well, when alive, when, when, when life Hit you in the mouth, people. My pledge to you, Alive will be an ex- excellent environment for you to come. We will. Because there will come a day when you will take the risk and you will invite a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, mom or dad, close friend at work, and they will come to Alive with you on that day. And on that day, you will come up that drive and you will look with totally different eyes, You'll hope the yard looks amazing. You hope the flower beds are well weeded. You'll hope the fountain is clean and not green. You hope the coffee's warm and you hope the people smile. So, when your loved one comes to a point of deciding, they will receive the goodness and mercy of God. That's what you hope. And that's why these environments matter. I have this song on replay. Because I think about the Good Shepherd talking to me through this song. Is that weird? Are you with me? Can I say that? It's like a storm that cuts a path. It breaks your will, and it feels like that you think you're lost. But you're not lost on your own. Get this. You're not alone. I will stand by you. I will help you through. When you've done all you can do, you can't cope, I'll dry your eyes, I'll fight your fight, and I will hold you tight, and I won't let you go. So you're going to hear that by our team. Man, they're going to hit out of the park. It's so amazing. And when you hear it, I want you to think of the shepherd in Psalm 23. And I want you to think about him saying this to you. And I want you to think about how important these environments really are for a moment like this. Jesus, thank you so much for these good folks. And uh, the high honor of sharing with them what you've placed on my heart today. Bless them, Lord. Ah, Just bless them. I know some folks here are getting ready to receive from you why they came. Because as Paul and Heather and the team minister to us they're going to hear your voice to them and you're going to encourage them, you're going to speak to them and they're going to leave here understanding a bit more about the goodness of God, but they're not going to leave the goodness here, like the psalmist they're going to walk out those doors and down the drive and they're going to turn around and look behind them and goodness and mercy are going to follow them I pray Alive would be experts at creating environments where people far from God find God I pray for my friends in the room who maybe they got drug here today. <laughs> maybe this is a day where you want to show them your goodness and your mercy. If so, I pray you would do that right now. And if you feel God speak to you in that way, guys, it's just about receiving God's mercy, and you receive it. He won't force it. I'm going to need you, God, to get through this next season. I'm going to need you. If you don't show up, I'm toast. And he will. He will. He promised his presence. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.